Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Titus chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, I want to look there. This is our uh, new series that we're starting called Grace Revealed. Uh, Pastor Tim mentioned uh, point groups. I hope you'll get plugged in. We intentionally tie this together, a six-week series, along with our home point groups. And we just ask our church as many as possible. We're, we're going to say 100%, uh, but um, we're also realistic that there are those people that you can't get me to do anything. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. That's not everybody uh, or anybody. Uh, but uh, I encourage you, get connected. Find a, a point group, plug in, build relationship. Because if we're not gathering together, we're not really being the body of Christ. And it's, it's coming together to grow in relationship. And then in that, our resource that we have together in the power and the love of Christ to influence and to impact the world that's around us. Uh, and so I hope you'll get connected. Uh, but this is uh, Grace Revealed. What we want to look at is, is the impact of what grace does in our lives. Many of us know what it is. Uh, we, we sing about it. We hear about it. Uh, we even pray at the table and call it grace. But what is it that grace is all about? Would you stand with me in... Uh, as we look at this text together, Titus chapter 2, it's towards the end um, of the New Testament. You've probably found it by now. If not, it's on the screen. Here's what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. He has revealed or he has worked in us. And I want to talk today just to the importance of grace and uh, share from this title or question, what makes grace amazing? What is it that makes grace amazing? Father, I pray today that as we look at your word, I pray, Lord, that it would come alive. And, Lord, that the impact of grace, that, Lord, we would not just pass it by, but, Lord, that we would realize what it has made possible. And, uh, God, that it would transform us, and in us being transformed, transform the world around us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, uh, I want to take an opportunity uh, um, just before uh, we jump into the Word. Uh, Kathy, would you uh, come on up here? Kathy Schreiber, right there you are. Yeah, come on up here. Uh, I wanted to, uh, Kathy is, is uh, going to be moving to Georgia with family. And uh, come on up here. Are oh, you grabbing some Kleenexes? <laughs> I don't make it that bad. I don't make it that bad. Uh, but uh, Kathy, of course, has been uh, a part of this church during the time when I left as youth pastor. And when I came back, uh, I came back and I said, I don't know that one. I knew a lot of the people from before. I said, I don't know this one. But I thank God that he brought you to Faith Assembly when he did because she is a pastor's friend. She is a support. You have taught. Uh, she's never held the role of an elder because we didn't start that till recently. But you are an elder in the, in the faith, in the church. We thank God. And that doesn't mean your age when I say elder. Yeah, I, I thought I better clarify that. But, uh, but your wisdom and just the grace that you operate with. We're talking about grace. And if you want to know what grace uh, looks like, 
she, uh, she can share and, and just look at her. There's a, a lot of grace. This is just our, uh, we love you. We're going to miss you. But uh, thanks for being a part of our family. God bless you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, so it's always a, a joy when we can celebrate with those. And uh, I, I just want to, uh, as, as much as we don't want to at times, to send people forth uh, we do so in the blessing and the favor of God. Can I just take a moment to say, we're talking about grace, and this doesn't really, it has something to do with it. But when it's time for you to leave, leave with grace. Leave with grace. And if you left a church recently and you came to this one, we're glad to have you. You might only be here for a little bit, but man, make sure you leave with grace. Always grace. Grace, grace, grace. Don't ever just up and leave and just get out of town and I'm not going there anymore. Man, let grace because if we don't know the grace of God, then we miss what it's all, all about. That's not today's message. That might be somewhere else in, a, in another moment in time. But the, the grace of God. What makes grace so amazing? What is it that makes grace so amazing? We can sing about it. We, we, we know about it. We are somewhat familiar with it. But do we really know what goes into make up what we call grace? Do we really know what grace is, is really capable of doing, what it's about, what it does. Uh, our culture is somewhat familiar with grace. In, in the cultural context, we understand that uh, we know some people who are gracious. Uh, we know those individuals that they're just, they're warm-hearted, they're kind, they're, they're generous. There's, there's a graciousness to them that we might even uh, attribute to them. We even know or have heard of people who have fallen from grace. Um, we realize as well that within our culture, we appreciate a grace period. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? That when it's, it's that deadline doesn't have to hit right then. If you forgot in a moment, there's a, a grace period. We even say grace when we might sit down to the table. We hear grace, we know grace, but do we really know what makes up grace? Do we know what, what grace is really consisting of, what it consists of? I, I would uh, introduce grace by trying to illustrate it this way. It's like mayonnaise. That's a weird transition, but follow me. You like mayonnaise, and if you don't like mayonnaise, pretend you do because it will ruin my illustration. So everybody likes mayonnaise. That right there probably ruined it. There's people who are like, that's disgusting. It doesn't work. You, you like mayonnaise, and you can put mayonnaise on your sandwich, and it can add flavor. It can create a whole different taste. It, it's something that you can enjoy when you put the mayonnaise on your sandwich, but if, if you realize what it is that mayonnaise is made up by, it's two key ingredients. That's a third one that's added, but the two key ingredients, and oil along with vinegar, and these two things don't mesh. They don't go together. In fact, you can mix them together, but after time, they separate. So the idea of them all working together, it doesn't mix. It doesn't work. But that's why they introduced the egg yolk because the egg yolk is the third ingredient that comes and takes what doesn't work well together and creates the opportunity that it does work, that it does create this consistency, this condition, this place, this area that adds flavor and something that you like. It adds and even makes it worthwhile. It makes it work when it comes together. The grace of God is made up of life's moments that don't always work together because life consists of the up moments and the down moments. It consists of the good times and the bad times. Don't you wish you could put in an order and say, God, I'd like to 
to have everything work like this. I'm getting married, and my marriage is going to go like this. We're going to have kids, and the kids are going to act just like this. I'm going to get a job, and it's going to lead to this. Don't you wish everything would go just like this? But how many have found out along the way it takes everything that doesn't always mix well or taste well or doesn't work out in life? It doesn't always work. But here comes the key ingredients. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven, gave his life on the cross. He died a death that you and I deserved. He came for us a sacrifice. He rose again, and now his ingredient of his power, the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in our life, has produced grace, and now grace says it'll take the difficult moments, the good moments, and work it all together, and God's grace is sufficient for you and I. It is by God's grace that it works. It doesn't matter what your condition is. You say today, if you've got a good moment or a bad moment, the only way you get through life is by the grace of God. I considered my dad to be an expert at raising kids because he raised me, and I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, just kidding. I remember my dad uh, asking my dad early on, you know, uh, wanting to glean as much wisdom uh, while I was in college, and I said about raising kids, and the reason I talked about raising kids because I, I knew I'd likely be a youth pastor, and so I wanted to find out how he raised me, what he did, what his ideas were. I knew how he raised me, but, but what were the things? I would ask him about working with students and having kids and what that would be. And the only thing he would say to me, if it works, it's only because of God's grace. I'm like, you got to give me the formula. Like, give me the, you know, if you do this, this produces that. If it works, it's only God's grace. It's only God's grace that works in everything. You take God's grace out of the equation, and then it's based on your works. But how many have found out you can work as hard as you work, but somewhere along the way you get tired and you get worn out, and working becomes difficult? Grace is so necessary. It's that that enablement. In fact, that's what grace does. Grace is the power of God that comes in and allows life circumstances and situations that in all moments, at all times, in every season, what was meant for evil, God works it out for good. How many know that's grace? That he takes the difficult places, the things of our life, and he, he gives grace in every moment. He gives grace in every situation. It's only by the grace of God that it works. I can say to you today that, uh, that grace is amazing because it produces the ability to have the empowerment or the divine empowerment or the enablement of God in our life. That's one of the things that can make grace amazing, that it's an enabling power of God that makes life effective, life effective or makes life possible. That it's the grace of God that makes life possible. That's the empowerment and the ability of God's work in our life to make an effective life in him possible. The only way you have what you have is because of the grace of God. Everything you have is because of the grace of God. But the grace of God is not just amazing because of what it does. That's what it does. But what is amazing about grace is not that it's the empowerment or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit or the ability of God, God's work in us to make life possible. The reason it's amazing is because there's nothing I can do to earn it, and I don't deserve it. That's why it's amazing. It's not amazing for what it does. It's amazing for what it is. And what it is is the unmerited favor of God. The traditional definition of of grace is the unmerited, and anything that's unmerited is something that in reality I cannot do anything to earn it. There's nothing in my own ability or in my strength or anything that I could do to earn God's grace. It does not depend on me. It's all upon his love and his, his, his mercy, his, his love that's given to you and I. It's hard for us because we live in a world that is all about earnings, all about accomplishments, all about raising the, the, the bar, all about achievement. We live in a not so graceful world. 
We live in an ungraced society. We live in an ungraced culture. Why? Because sin has infiltrated, and where there is sin, there is not grace. But where there, are, where there is sin, grace abounds, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It means that God's grace comes in and intervenes. But if we don't receive God's grace, we're left to the broken system that we live in. And what's the, the system that we live in is we try to earn our way and make it work in our lives, but everything that I have is only by the grace of God. Everything that we have is only by the grace of God. And when we know that it's God's grace, it ought to change the way we handle and the way we treat certain things around us. That it's only by the grace of God. We live in a, in a world that does not have a lot of grace. It's a broken system. It's a broken place. And what it is, there, there, throughout time and culture, there's always been this place that it all depends where you grew up, what opportunities, what privileges, what things there might be, and all of those things because it's not an equal playing field. Let's just be honest and real. Not everything in this world is equal. Everybody does not have the same opportunities as everybody else. Everyone is not exposed to the same things as everybody else. There's absolutely true. How do I know that? I remember as a kid sitting in reading class, and I always had a way of hearing information, and my mind would, would start going off from what I heard. We were reading a story in English class about a kid who grew up in another country, and while I'm reading that story, I lost where the teacher was going, and I started to think, and I remember in third grade sitting there, and the reason I remember is because the teacher embarrassed me, and how many know you remember embarrassing moments? The moment stood out in my life. She then asked me a question about the story we were reading, but I was no longer following along with the story because I got stuck on this kid was in another country and these other things that he experienced. As a third grader, I remember thinking, wow, I wasn't born in another country. I was born here. How come I was born here and he was born there? What is the circumstance? My mind began to think of, wow, why is it that I had this and they have that and all this together different? And I realized it's only the grace of God. The teacher comes back and asks me a question because she knew I wasn't paying attention, to which she called me out. I tried to cover up the best I could. It was an embarrassing moment. She didn't do anything wrong, but how many know those have moments of marking your life? I remember when. You better believe when we read in class again, I'm paying attention because she's not going to embarrass me like she did that time. But I remember thinking, why is it that someone has this and someone else has that? You realize you can always look in comparison. It's always dangerous to compare. But to know what you have right now, it is the grace of God. And when you receive the grace of God, he is able to take your unfortunate or your fortunate, your privileged or your unprivileged, your, your best or your not so best circumstance. He is able to take and the grace of God is able to empower and to work in whatever situation you're in that he can cause you to excel, to exceed, that he can produce in you, that the grace of God is amazing, that he can show up in any circumstance and his grace can turn every, any situation and circumstance around that you may not have been born in this condition and you may have not had all the things that you thought were privileges and things that were benefit to you but the reality is God can take you from wherever you are and when you apply the grace of God when you receive the grace of God he can work in your life and he can cause you to know his joy and his grace that is sufficient in every place and every circumstance that you're in you might be here today and you say Jason I I, I don't feel like I experienced the grace of God. And if we just talk on an economical level, I, I'm in poverty. I don't, have what it, I don't have what I need. God will give you grace to work through that poverty and to be in that condition that you're in. Because can I tell you, you might look across another place and see a person who has a lot of money. Guess what? They need grace as well to handle what God's given them. The grace that they need is altogether different than the grace you need. 
So don't compare and look and say, I wish I had what they had. No, your eyes are already in an ungraced circumstance. What's an ungraced circumstance? Is where the only way you get it is because you earned it, you deserve it, or it's about you. But when you live in the grace of God, you know it's not about you, it's about him because you received the love of God that you could not earn. You got the grace of God that you did not deserve. And when you know he gave you what you didn't deserve, how many know you embrace it a lot better than you do when you think you've earned it? When you think it's mine, you think it's all about me, it becomes, you, you become the focal point. But when we miss of the what uh, that he's made possible for us, in an ungraced world, we're always trying, we're always trying to outdo and to, and to do better and compare to other people. That's an ungraced world. And if you're living in that comparison, you're not fully received the grace of God. If you're living in a place of insecurity and, and not living in a place of being able to trust God and feel like, well, I can't let that person come on my turf or they've got something better than I've got. If you live in comparison, it only shows that you've not fully received and revealed the grace of God in your life because God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace knows how to provide what you need in the moment that you need it. So quit looking at your circumstance and look at his goodness and his grace at work in your life. That we allow this, this grace and This is so important of knowing and receiving the grace of God because there's a pattern that takes place. I'm now 42 years old, so I can speak to this, not as a total expert, but almost. And this process of life that if you don't identify, because I've met enough people who really don't know who they are. They become what other people expect them to be. They move from one condition to to the next, and they live in this ungraced culture where they only receive love based on how well they've earned it and deserved it and what they can do. Some of us are in relationships that are just not the healthiest, not because we're horrible people, but because we've not fully received the grace of God. And the grace of God does not give based on what we get. It gives because it has it to give and it wants to pour out. And when we live in a culture, when we create that culture, my prayer is at Faith Assembly that we know that culture, but we begin even more. There's already a culture of grace and generosity and love in this house. But I believe that God wants to increase it even more, that it cannot help but pour into the communities of Fayette County and beyond, that it cannot help but influence and show the grace and the love of God, that so many people are so used to, to just moving from one moment to the next, they don't know who they are. I've met people who are older in their years and, and uh, have gone through maybe children, the stage of having children, going the marriage, whatever it might be, and saying, I just don't know who I am. I don't know what I want in life. I don't know what life is. And the reason for that is because they've only lived in this ungraced place where they only receive what they get or they only receive because they've proven or got shown worth or they've done something to prove themselves and so they keep having to prove or perform for people in order to get the love that they're looking for but have never fully received the love that comes from God not because you earned it, not because you deserve it but just because he loves you. When I was in my teens, I thought I knew it all, right? When I was in my teens, I knew everything. My identity was I, knew, I know who I am. And then I came in my 20s and I had to prove it. Then I got to my 30s and realized I didn't know what I thought I knew. And now I'm 40 and I better figure it out or else there's a midlife crisis that comes if you don't know who you are. That's the truth. That's the truth. And when you live in every stage trying to prove yourself or trying to make it work, you've lived. And if you go long enough without receiving and fully receiving the grace of God, you just get caught up becoming what you need to be in one circumstance to the next. There's some of us, you don't know who who you really are in Christ because you just know who you are in the home. You know who you are in the workplace. You know who you are in this place. You know who you are there, but you don't know who you are in Christ. And the freedom that you need to know is knowing who you are in Christ. 
There are people who give us relationships. Thank God for relationships. But there's no relationship on this earth that is meant to complete you because it can't. They can complement you, but they can't complete you. Your identity must be in the grace of God. What is the grace? He gave me what I do not deserve. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to beg for it. He gave me what I did not earn or what I do not deserve. And when that fills my life, it changes everything about me. It changes the way I react to, to circumstances, situations, the way I react to other people. And, and this identity of who we are in Christ, have you fully received the grace that comes from God? That you can't earn it. Let me give you a couple things about this grace that you can't earn. You, you can't, and this is what makes grace amazing. We're going to talk about grace being the empowerment, because it is. Grace is the empowerment of God working in our life, but that's what it does. Grace does empowering things, but what grace is, is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God in my life. Some of you just need to, some of you just need to soak in the fact that God loves you, not because of anything you've done. Because there's a danger. Sometimes we can come to the grace of God, but the longer we do this, we can forget that God loves us because of who we are in him and forget and think that he loves us because we've done these things, we have this situation, we've done all these stuff, and we can measure up the things that we've done and we miss, strip all of that away, and God loves you not because of anything except his hand is upon you and he called you, he loves you. Nothing you can do to earn it. Let me, let, let me just in, encourage you. Listen, what Acts 15 says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The undeserved grace of Jesus Christ. Not one of us deserve. There's nothing we can do. Let me give you, give you number one. Here's what you need to, need to remember. Some of us, this is a reminder. I said to Jody this morning, I said, I feel like today I'm preaching more from VBS, but that's okay. Because this is Grace 101. We okay with that? Because this is Grace 101. Lay the foundation that if we don't understand this grace, we can't build upon it. Here's Grace number one is that it's the unmerited favor of God. You can't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But here's what you need to know about that. Number one, I can't afford it, and he won't stop it. Even if I could pay for it, I couldn't afford it. I could not afford this love that Christ has given to me. There's no way I could earn this. And in reality, I could not even fully earn the love that I need and want from my relationships that are around me, even on this earth. I could not earn them. Because if, you're, if you've not carried grace into your marriage, your marriage is going to hurt. Grace must be carried into every portion when it comes into our lives. The, the only way that we can get through, hey, young married couple, the only way you're going to make it is by the grace of God. You're raising those young kids, and you think, man, they're so young, and, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's easier for me to look back on this now. I can speak from it. I've got two in college and only one in high school yet, and so I've got a little more experience. I can tell you, those days when you feel like you need to go into the room and cast out demons, I tried it. I took oil, and I put it on the door of my son's bedroom. I thought, Lord, whatever is in that boy, come out in Jesus' name. I'm like, this kid is rebellious. He was only like two months old, but still, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was, it, probably about three years old or so, we're going into four. It's like, oh, God, give us grace. I thought, Lord, I just, they did this in, 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 uh, in Exodus, and, and so, Lord, I'm anointing his door on his bedroom in Jesus' name, whatever that is. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that's going to get you through. It's the grace of God that's going to sustain you. You're walking through what you're going through, these difficulties. It's the grace of God. It's only the grace of God. You can't afford it, and he won't stop it. There's nothing you could do to earn his love, and there's nothing you could do to stop him from loving you. <laughs> Don't try. But I'm telling you, you can never make him stop loving you. 
there's nothing you could do to afford it. I, um, I had a blessed life. <coughs> Excuse me. I grew up um, in the, the oldest of six. And so back to school shopping was never like the exciting time of the year for me. Uh, back to school was always a horrendous, difficult time. You might say, well, because you didn't like to go to school. Yeah, that's, I mean, yes, I love school. But um, for all the teachers in the room, I don't want to, it wasn't my favorite time. But the reason it wasn't my favorite time is because I was already conditioned that the moment I get to school, everybody's going to be looking at what I'm wearing and what I have. And I don't have what everybody else has. And I already, that, that was just a given thing. And I, I realized that. I, I, I knew it was just, that's the way it was. Um, in middle school, there was a gentleman. His name, uh, of course, was John Hayfley. John was a part of our church. He would serve in any capacity that he could. The church of my dad was an associate pastor. John never held a position, never had a title, was never a bigwig, was just a quiet man who served the pastor. And he would just go with dad to visit. John would probably come over either on a Tuesday night. They would go visit some folks in the community or whatever. And so I got to know John because he was in in our church. And and John one time said to my dad, I found out later, he said to my dad, he said, hey, all my kids have grown up and my grandkids don't live around here. He said, "Uh, would you mind if uh, I take Jason back to school shopping. John was well in his years. He's now, he's of course retired and just a stage of life and being the oldest of six, I'm sure my dad was not like, you know, no, I don't want you to. Dad's probably like, "Uh, how about the others? You want to take them too? (laughs) John picks me up on a Saturday and and I remember we go out to eat and he had already told me, he said, hey, I talked to your dad, I'm going to take you, we're going to go back to school shopping. He said, I want to hang out with you. Being a kid, probably in sixth grade or so, I'm like, that's cool. That works. You can take me shopping. I don't know what all that means. We went to stores I never went to. There was this store called Boscov's in, in uh, Camp Hill. We walked into Boscov's. I've never been into Boscov's. We walk into Boscov's, and he goes to the shoe, uh, the shoe aisle there, and he says, hey, pick out a pair of shoes. And I'm like, like any of them? Because like when we shop, we don't come to this store, and we only get those over there. He's like, pick out any pair of shoes. He, and I'm like, well, Dad wouldn't pay for this, but maybe John's paying. So, hey, John. I pulled out a pair of shoes, and John said, cool. He buys the shoes. We start to walk out. And as we're walking out, there's a display, and it's the Swatch Watch. Anybody from my era remember the Swatch Watches? How many know what I'm talking about? And so we're walking by there, and John sees that display. He said, hey, what's that? There's some other kids that are walking around there. Someone just purchased a, a, a Swatch Watch. And, and he says, hey, do you have a watch? I said, no, I don't, I don't have a watch. He said, you want one? I said, no. I mean, I would never even ask for that watch. I mean, we wouldn't have, that's, that's, a, that's an accessory. We can't afford that. You don't do that. No, I, I, I don't want a watch. He said, hey, he said, go over there and pick out a color. He takes me over. He said, come on. And he starts walking ahead. Now he's going ahead of me, and he says, hey, come on. He is now standing at the display case calling me over and says, which one you want? He said, pick out one of those colors. He said, pick out whichever color you want. He bought my Swatch watch. When I think of grace, I think of John Hayfley. I think of this man who showed grace that I couldn't pay him back. I wasn't even on his team. I couldn't even work for him. I mean, all he was and I was were two individuals, him older, me younger, sitting in the same church, worshiping the same Jesus, and he had means that I didn't have. And by grace, he said, hey, young man, you have things that I know you might need, and I have the ability to give them to you, so I'll apply grace and provide for you what you cannot provide for yourself. 
You know the grace of God, you cannot afford the grace. You can't earn it. And if you can't earn it, you can't unearn it either. Because if you didn't earn it, you're not going to revert the process you didn't begin in the first place. It's the grace of God that he lavished, that he pours out, that he puts on you. It's his grace that overwhelms. Romans eleven six 6 says, And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be really what it is, free and undeserved. It is by the grace and the kindness of God. Do you know what the Bible says leads you to repentance? It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Do you know what the kindness of God, when the kindness of God, and we'll get into this on another, another week on grace, is how it affects our heart and the way we treat other people. But the grace of God is free. Let me give you number two. Number two, not only is it what I can't afford, number two, it's based on his character and not on my condition. It's based on his character and not on my condition. We say this word in the church, it is the unconditional love of God. Because it's unconditional, it doesn't matter if I'm having a good day or a bad day. God loves me the same way he loved me. He loved me the way he loved me when he created me in my mother's womb, and he still loved me the same way when I was in my mother's womb, and he still loved me the same way when I came out of my mother's womb, and he loved me the same way when my mother said, I wish you never came out of my womb. She never said that. <laughs> or whose child are you? Uh, we've only had two of those moments in life. And um, there's never that moment. God didn't love me more because, oh, He's going to say yes to ministry. I really love him now. He loved me the same way he loved me when I was born as he loved me when I was born again. And he loves me as I'm now a 42-year-old pastor leading a church, feeling a passion for a county, believing that God wants to do something supernatural in this county, in this place that some people say, what could happen here? Watch and see what God is able to do. Watch and see who our God is. Why? Because his grace is amazing. And it's nothing we can earn. It's nothing we deserve. It's unconditional. It's not based on our condition. You've got to realize that everything around us is conditional. You get paid if you show up. It's conditional. There's certain things they have to be that way. We realize that's just the reality. But the love of God is not of this earth. He came from heaven. This earth was, was in a place of brokenness and a place that was opposite of what God wanted. But God said, I love you too much to leave you that way. So I'm going to come into the broken system and I'm going to be broken in the broken system so that I can pour out grace to heal what was broken. That's the love of God. And so every other philosophy and religion says you've got to earn it. Buddhism says you've got to have eight paths of enlightenment. You've got to hope to get there. And if you get to the path, then you might have something. Hinduism says it's karma. If you're good in this condition, you'll come back in a better condition. At best, you'll be a cow. It'd be a good thing. My point is this. Every other religion and everything is based on what you deserve and how good you are. Even the Jewish covenant was based on how well you keep the law. Notice God introduced and worked through the system, but he said this system isn't going to work. So I'm going to come in, and I'm going to fix what is already broken. The Muslim system says you have to obey the code of, 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 of the law, that you have to obey the, obey the code, that if you don't operate just right, they're all based on ways that you can earn it. Here's what the, how Christianity is built on. You can't earn it. It's only grace. It's what sets it all apart. Everyone else has a way that you, if you do good enough, work hard enough, be good enough, you can earn it. You might just make it. 
The love of God says, no, I'm not going to give you a path that you have to earn it because you can't earn the love I have for you. You can't earn what I'm giving you. I'm just opening the door that whosoever believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. This is absolutely stinking amazing. The grace and the love of God that he pours out on us. And I know somewhere in the room is like, but you have to work for it. Somebody had to prove something. You got to do something. No, you don't have to work or do anything. But works does come out. But I don't work to get it. There's a work now that changes because when I receive the grace and the love of God, it comes out of me altogether different. It impacts the way that we are. It's not based on your condition. That is so good news because there's not one, anyone here who deserves the love of God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me give you number three. Number three is this. Not only is it based on God's character and not that condition, but number three, his everything was given for my nothing. His everything? What did he get out of this deal? I'm going to give my life. Jesus said, I'm going to leave heaven. I'm going to come to this earth. And I'm going to come to a place. And I'm going to die. What did he gain? You. But do you realize what he says is the value is not what you do. The value is who you are. God doesn't love you for what he can get out of you. Everybody else has loved you that way, which is why it makes it hard for you to receive the love of God. Because everybody else has loved you for what they can get out of you. And I'll quit loving you if you don't respond and reflect and do the things I want you to do anymore. That's hard. It's hard when you get to a place and you live, even when you think you're living in grace, but you've walked into ungrace. Because now it's based on who deserves what, who earns what. And when the grace of God is taken out of the equation, we start leaning in our own strength and not in the strength that comes from God. Because when I lean in my own strength, somewhere along the way, I get tired. You see those people who don't know who they are? I was on the path to being one of them. I grew up in the church. You know what I learned in the church? I learned if you perform the right way, people will be happy. Was that my intention? Absolutely not. I ran this because I love Jesus Christ. But guess what? We are around other people, and sometimes along the way, the condition is it becomes about people more than about Jesus. And when it becomes more about people than it becomes Jesus, you can get into the role of performance and forget that it's all about the grace that comes from Jesus. You do that long enough, you can learn how to do the dance. You can learn how to dance this way at home, learn how to dance this way in this place, learn how to say the right things, learn how to say the certain things. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now, and you've learned how to do that because you've lived in this ungraced structure and system, and that is in order for everything to go right, I've got to perform at the best potential. I've got to perform just the right way. You know what God says? Take off the performance. I see your dysfunction. I see your disorder. I see your issues. I see those things, and I love you anyway. Not to leave you the way you are, but the grace of God now to transform and change us. But you can't be transformed by God's grace until you've received God's grace. Do you know the love of God? Have you received the grace of God? Jody and I, when we were uh, in between being youth pastors here and then before we came back to be lead pastors, those five years we traveled with a ministry called Youth Alive, and, and that's now been... Eight years ago, and um, we started showing a video that we would use in public school settings. We would go in and talk to students about uh, making choices, and it was a character development school assembly program that we would do, and this is one of the videos that we would show, and as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of this video. It's a little 
old. It's probably at least 10 to 15 years old, but the, uh, the story, of course, is a picture of grace. And I want you to see a picture of grace this morning, what it looks like, and ask us today, have you received the grace that comes from God? Rick was quoted and saying one time during an interview with ESPN as he's able to communicate, said, every time I run, I feel free. It would seem like, what an irony. Every time you run, and he knows the only way I run is because my father is carrying me. You're trying to find a freedom? You'll only know that freedom in the grace of God. He said, I get what I don't deserve. He gives me the ability to do what I could not do in my own. It is the grace of God. What sets Christians apart from everything else? The grace of God. Remove the grace of God that is shown through the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have nothing. But for the grace of God, there go One of the old revivalists made a statement. He was asked to make a comment about the sinners and horrible people who do the stuff they do. And the only thing he could say was, oh, but for the grace of God, there go I. If it weren't for the grace of God, I'd be in the same boat. In fact, I am in the same boat that all have sinned fallen short of the glory of God but thanks be to Jesus Christ I'm no longer a sinner his grace has set me free would you stand with me all across this room and I know this is usually the moment of like grab the kids let's go but before you do that can we just take a moment and receive the grace of God and acknowledge the grace of God. Come on, would you sing this with us? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Don't forget that you're nothing without Jesus. I once was lost, but because of anything you've done. Was blind, but, now but because his love came to rescue you. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. He bought you back. And like a flood, he paid the price for you and I. His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing Come on, one more time. Sing Amazing Grace. And just receive that. Just acknowledge that right now. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Was 
reminded of the day that he rescued you from the place of your, your own depravity the place of your brokenness and the only reason you have anything is because the grace of God has come upon you with every head bowed and every eye closed today I want to talk you off of one of two cliffs today one of two ledges that you might be standing on today and, and one might be that moment that you forgot how much the grace of God has impacted your life I can tell you growing up in the church and serving Jesus now for probably 30 plus years, being a pastor for 20 of those, you can easily a long time forget all that God has done and not, not intentionally forgetting, but just getting caught up in the system of trying to make things work, trying to make things work. Here's the problem. That's an ungrace system. But grace system is I don't have to work because my God, His grace is working on my behalf. It's the grace of God. Now, it doesn't mean I don't work, but it means it doesn't depend on my work. It's His grace. It's His grace. Let me talk you off the cliff today. It says, I'm good where I am. No, you need the grace of God. Don't forget the grace of God. Maybe you're on the cliff today and you're saying, Jason, I've fallen far from grace. I've done so many bad things. I want to talk you off that cliff today and say to you that God is not looking at you to see whether or not you're worth it. Because the moment he brought you into this world, he said, I love you. You're worth it. I'm going to die on the cross for all who ever believe in Jesus Christ. It is the grace of God. He loves you. If you're here today and you've not received the grace of God, Maybe you're here today and you, you've heard of it, you know of it, but you recognize in your heart today that your identity is being wrapped up in knowing the grace of God, that you are complete.